Although the characters we discuss are fictional, the challenges people face every day are not. The information we provide in this podcast is for entertainment and informational purposes only and should not be used in place of advice from a mental health or medical professional. If you are struggling with mental health issues, please seek professional help. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Jedi Council Podcast, where we explore mental health in your favorite fictional characters. Hey folks, welcome back to the next episode of the Jedi Council Podcast. This is your Scroogey graduate student <laughs> co-host, Brandon Saxman. And your Grinchy yeah. co-host, associate professor, co-host, Katie Gordon. <laughs> I was, So we sort of flipped there because if I remember right, your favorite hall time, uh, holiday time movie was Scrooge, right? Yes. Yeah, and mine was, well, my favorite character was the Grinch. Well, you took mine, so I, I had to take it's yours. It's true, and that's fair. And the reason that I went with Scroogey uh, isn't a good one. Oh. It's because I wasn't sure if Grinchy was a word. Oh. But Scroogey certainly isn't either, so there's no real logic behind it. And that's where we are now. It's, it's just we flipped <laughs> on the characters. How are you doing today, Katie? I am doing well. How are you? Doing pretty good, and I'm excited for today's topic, which is that of Marvel's Netflix's Punisher. I don't know. I mean, does Netflix actually play a role in, in making those shows? Or Some of them it does, like the Netflix original. I don't know if Punisher is a Netflix original, but I'm going to constantly refer to it as Marvel's Netflix's Punisher. <laughs> Just, it's really the most concise way to do it. Wait, I guess it's technically the Punisher. So Marvel's Netflix is the Punisher. <laughs> it really rolls off the tongue. <laughs> it's real natural. Uh, do we have any sort of current events or anything? I, I, I made the outline for this episode and I didn't include anything. So does, is there anything off the top of your head for pre, pre-Punisher chatting? I've got nothing. No, I did, I, um, you know, I want to see Star Wars again, yes. but we did a whole reaction episode about that, so I don't need to say more than that, mm-hmm. but I look forward to seeing it, it again. It was really weird because I saw it a second time and I felt like I needed to do a second reaction video because I had, like, that much more reaction to seeing oh, it again. Oh, yeah. so maybe I'll see it a second time yeah. or and a third time, and then yes. and maybe maybe we'll do another bonus episode if it weren't yeah. so. If people want to hear us talk sure. again about Star Wars, I mean, they don't <laughs> Or have we to can listen. just talk about it and not <laughs> record it. That's a possibility. Uh, but yeah, Star Wars is real good. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, go check it out. Um, like, one of the the divisive films of 2017, though, yes. to be sure, yeah. Um, pretty interesting on Rotten Tomatoes. The last time I checked, these numbers might be out of date. Like, 94% for critics and like 52 or 54 for audience. So, pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of a split. But... But today we're going to go with uh, a show and a character that's a little bit darker than that of the uh, Star Wars universe, but it still falls under the umbrella of our Disney overlords, and that's <laughs> that's The Punisher. Uh, so if you have not seen uh, Marvel's Netflix's The Punisher, uh, full spoiler warning ahead, uh, we're going to really break down the show. Do you want to just explain why you said Disney overlords? Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, that, I, I have nothing uh, sort of personal against the Disney Corporation, but they did recently, I think, purchase the yeah. Fox. So they have the Simpsons and Family Guy, and, and they've got the Fantastic Four and and the X-Men, and they've got a lot of uh, 
a lot of uh, IPs now. So yeah, that, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Maybe nothing will change. I saw a rumor that I think Simpsons might be going to Hulu exclusive. Oh. Too, so I haven't watched it. I haven't Simpsons watched it in, in 20 time. years, yeah. but I'm glad it's still running. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really happy for it too. And I know some people that love it and keep up with mm-hmm. it, but I'm just not one of them. Um, I, I don't dislike it. I just, there's only so much time and so many shows to watch and, and Simpsons <laughs> doesn't true. make the cut for me. Uh, so that's why I, I say, of course, our Disney overlords, um, as a, in, in jest for any Disney, uh, employees listening. Um, <laughs> but for, uh, Marvel's Netflix is the Punisher, full spoilers ahead. Um, Katie, you have seen a little Punisher. Uh, I've seen a lot of Punisher. Uh, I watched, Marvel's the Netflix is the Punisher <laughs> all in two sittings. Uh, I think there are 12 episodes, if I'm remembering right. Um, and I really liked it, and uh, I'm excited to dive into it. But I thought I would maybe start by giving a little background on the Punisher character, um, which I don't know how familiar you are with or our listeners. Not very. Okay. Well, me. I won't speak for our listeners. Well, uh, I mean, right now you're the only listener That's right. for my speaking, so... so <laughs> You've got it. I'll weigh in not much. (laughs) Sure. So I'll just, a really quick introduction. Uh, The Punisher, uh, Frank Castle is the Punisher's full name and a non-superhero. or Actually, I would say vigilante. The Punisher is not a superhero. Uh, The Punisher is a part of the Marvel comic book uh, franchise and debuted back in Spider-Man, actually, The Amazing Spider-Man number 129 back in February of 1974. Hmm. So the Punisher, not quite as old as some of our Batman, uh, Superman, Wonder Woman, uh, even Spider-Man characters, but getting there. Yeah, I've got 40 years under the belt. So um, I think uh, just kind of my general understanding, the Punisher, which isn't that super in-depth, um, the, well, I should say, actually, before I get that, the Punisher was created by the writer, uh, Jerry Conway, and two artists, John Romita Sr. and uh, Ross Andrew. And the Punisher, I think, uh, kind of caught people a little bit by surprise when he sort of made the scene, just because of how sort of violent and, uh, I don't know, violent's probably the best word for the Punisher. He doesn't fit into the superhero category as well. And, uh, I know there's, you know, Batman in the DC universe is sometimes considered kind of the hard or edgy character, but, um, there was once, there are a few times there have been DC and Marvel crossover comics. And one of my favorite sort of moments from one of those is there's a scene where the Punisher says, uh, something along the lines of, then the Boy Scout showed up. And he's referring to Batman. Oh. <laughs> and in what universe is Batman? Right. Sort of the, the Boy Scout. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, in the DC sort of Justice League, Batman, particularly in the comics, kind of the hard, uh, you know, character. Especially nah. compared to Superman. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Who's kind of the quote unquote Boy Scout character yeah. of the Justice League. Did he see? Uh, that's not the case when we're talking about Frank Castle. Uh, Frank doesn't have any superpowers, a lot like Batman. Uh, he was a Marine. Uh, in the comics, uh, he was a, a Marine Corps scout sniper. Um, in all of sort of the renditions or tellings of the Punisher, he's lost his uh, spouse and his children. Um, to some crime or some someone killed them. And uh, as a part of that, he's a vigilante who who... Uh, uh, battles crime uh, in response to his personal loss using the skills that he learned as a Marine and some of his own sort of natural talent. And uh, the, the the things that he uses include murder, kidnapping, extortion, coercion, uh, violence, and torture. So it's kind of the, the repertoire for the Punisher, and, and they capture almost all of those in the uh, Marvel's Netflix's The Punisher series as well. So that's just my quick, uh, I don't know, two-minute primer on the Punisher. Would you call him an anti-hero? Uh, I don't even know if I would... 
well, in the comics, probably not. He, he, so I don't know. What's the, how do you define an anti I was I afraid you were going to ask me that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was really trying to pass that off onto you. So, like, I think about, like, I don't know. I think about, so Harley Quinn is sometimes called that. Yeah. She's done some horrible things and hurt people. That's um, true. But she's also helped people, and it depends the versions quite yeah, a bit. Of course. And, and the Punisher, he is, Going after people who do bad things, but he's, I mean, clearly he's different from Batman, as you're talking about, and that he he hurts them in pretty violent ways. Uh So I don't, I don't know. Or the other one who's usually called an anti-hero is, um, what's the name? I'm not sure. is Deadpool. (laughs) Oh, Deadpool, sure. Yeah. It's a protagonist in a story who lacks conventional heroic qualities and and attributes such as idealism, courage, and morality. Okay. Well, um, yeah, I suppose the Punisher would be an anti-hero then. I think one thing, if I could pick one difference between mm-hmm. the Punisher and Batman, mm-hmm. is that I think the Bat- Batman sets out to do what he did to make sure no one experiences what he did. The Punisher sets out to do what he's doing to kill everyone who might have been involved in doing something bad. That so, is a big yeah. distinction. And honestly, that the the next sentence from my quick Wikipedia sure. search is, although antiheroes may sometimes do the quote-unquote right th- thing, it is often for the quote-unquote wrong reasons and because it serves their self-interest rather than being driven by moral convictions. Oh. Well, I I would I do think Frank Castle has uh, a really strict moral code, mm-hmm. his own moral code mm-hmm. that might not map onto everyone else's, um, and that does come into play a few times in the Punisher on uh, Marvel's Netflix is the Punisher series. Um, I don't know. I don't want to get too caught up okay. in, in antihero, but I would say yes, he probably okay. is an antihero, but a very violent one. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, my other exposure to the Punisher was the movie, the movie The Punisher that came out mm-hmm. a number of years ago now, which was followed up by Punisher Warzone, which had a different uh, actor play Frank Castle, which I didn't actually ever see. Um, but I think it was like better received than the first Punisher, which had uh, John Travolta was in it. And yeah. Anyway, just sort of thinking about my own experiences with the Punisher. But uh, so that's kind of my quick rundown of the Punisher character. Just if folks aren't familiar that's or, or want a little history, uh, that's kind of the the character. Um, yes, I just double checking my outline here. I want I did say my Batman fun fact. That was that was <laughs> that, the most important. That's thing the for key, me. really. Is you know it's. Isn't it the six degrees of Kevin Bacon? Is that what it is? I don't six know. degrees of. I don't know who's the actual separation. Person. Yeah, and it is. It's. From a Kevin Bacon movie? Uh, at any rate. The, the We're re- not really good at making things, like references that are like not, not psychology like, or on the spot. <laughs> exactly. The, the reason I even bring it up at all was because I like to do that with Batman and every character that we talk about and see how many degrees of separation. Six is. degrees of Kevin Bacon. So oh, you're good. right, but it's from based on the six degrees of separation concept, right. which posits that any two people only... Earth are six or fewer acquaintances away from each other, which you knew, but you were going right to the Kevin Bacon part. Right. So, well, Kevin Bacon. I just caught up. He's, <laughs> he's a, a national treasure, so we have to include him when we can. I don't know that much about Kevin Bacon. No, that but there's a true. parlor game based on the six degrees of separation concept, which is called the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, which I did not know, but that sounds fun. You cool. heard it here first, <laughs> the, the new game. Kevin it's, it Bacon. looks like it was roughly, well, 
I'll read into it on my own and report back if it's of interest to a general. That sounds good. Correct. That'll be our next episode. I do like games. <laughs> uh, so back to Netflix's Marvel's The Punisher. Uh, so The Punisher, Frank Castle, was introduced in Daredevil mm-hmm. Season 2 uh, to like one of the most dramatic com- uh, character uh, debuts or, or introductions that I've ever seen. He sort of storms this castle to kill one of these people who was involved or implicated in the death of his wife and children. Uh, the Punisher is played by John Bernthal, who you might recognize from Walking Dead fame. Uh, really cool actor, I think. Um, I'm not sure if he has a lot of range yet, because I think Shane from The Walking Dead and Frank Castle are pretty similar in that they were kind of uh, gruff men. Which... Hmm. A little typecasting. Yeah, a little typecasting, mm-hmm. maybe, but good. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was well-received in Daredevil, uh, well-received in Punisher. I think the last time I looked... Uh, the Punisher on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, the the Marvel's Netflix is The Punisher. It was like uh, really well received by. I think I have the numbers somewhere. I'll find them in my outline. Uh, it doesn't so much matter. Uh, but anyway, earlier this year, of course, the television. Series... We don't really worry about no. <laughs> breaking the fourth wall on this show, do we? No. We often are just like no, it, talking it, it, about it, our processes. Yeah, it is what it is. It's 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 un it's unedited and unfiltered <laughs> because, quite frankly, we don't have the editing capabilities. <laughs> <laughs> if I just would have scrolled down one inch on my laptop, I would have seen Rotten Tomatoes, 62% for critics, 94 for fans. There we go. So very similar to Star Wars, The Last Jedi. Um, and and uh, earlier this year, of course, what was it, like a month ago, two months ago, The Punisher came out? I mean, that seems about right. Uh, and I put together a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7-point plot summary nice. for the entire season. Uh, based on a combination of my memory and quick re- uh, Wikipedia reading. I like it. Um, so here it is, and this will get you caught up to speed, which I know that you read some results outside of what I'm about to say. So this, the, the season goes something like this. Uh, in the beginning, Frank is just sort of checked out. He's kind of hiding. He's working construction. He's, he's just surviving, really. He's not really living. Uh, he quickly gets pulled back into the fray by a guy named uh, Dave Lieberman, who is a man who has been faking his own death to protect his family and expose some of the people and uh, the events that uh, Frank Castle is part of overseas. Uh, those two work together to take down and expose the cover-up uh, that Frank was unknowingly part of, uh, while also evading Homeland Security on their own. Uh, they, Dave Lieberman wants to expose it all. Frank Castle says, I'll work with you, but I'm going to kill them all. Uh, the story takes a slight detour towards the about like 65, 60 to 75% of the episode mark uh, with a young veteran who becomes a terrorist uh, and, and does some bombing and, and Frank Castle kind of gets involved in that. Um, and then Frank finds out that his best friend Billy Russo is part of the conspiracy against him. This makes him very, very grumpy and then he kills everyone. And, that, and then he goes to a support group at the very end. Well, I'm glad he... Went to the support group after <laughs> yeah. that. So uh, overall, my impressions of the season was I, I actually liked it quite a bit. Uh, it had a lot of action. I thought uh, it was uh, it was I, it was good. It was pretty violent. So if you're if you're averse to uh, fictional portrayals of violence like that, or that might be something that you're just not interested in seeing, or it might be uh, maybe tough to watch, I would maybe say skip some scenes in The Punisher. Uh, it had pretty good music, like a lot of the Marvel stuff does. Uh, so the part with the young man, the young veteran, so it's interesting because they have, they show a support group for, for veterans throughout the series that's run by one of Frank's, um, 
peers from the Marines. So peer isn't the exactly right word, but squad mates. Uh, and it's interesting to watch some of these people and the ways that they've dealt with their experiences differently. So Frank, uh, he's in a lot of ways, he's actually very avoidant, which maybe sounds a, a, a little bit, um, different from what I'm describing. Um, but, uh, he, he kind of gets pulled into this stuff and then reacts very violently, but he mostly wants to avoid a lot of it, particularly after what he did in Daredevil. He's just kind of out. Uh, his friend runs that support group. His other friend, Billy Russo, uh, he, he starts like a mercenary group. So he's just running a business. And then even some of the people who are part of that support group, it's interesting that one character, who I described earlier, who engages in uh, terrorist attacks in New York City. Uh, it's interesting to watch that character, too, who's also struggling with PTSD and uh, and, and doesn't cope very well and, and is radicalized by another member of the group who he finds out has been lying to him, and that leads to uh, a lot of really, really sad stuff. And, and despite that character hurting and killing people, he was absolutely the most sympathetic character for me yeah. throughout it. Uh, at one point, he digs uh, like a foxhole in his backyard because he just can't sleep in his oh bed. My gosh. Uh, so he's sleeping in the dirt and sort of recreates where he was. And he, he just, uh, it's very clear the depiction that he just cannot adjust uh, back to uh, civilian life and that he would just feels so much more comfortable um, in war. Yeah. So it, it's, uh, as someone who I, I didn't serve in the military and I haven't had those experiences, that depiction to me was powerful, I thought. And and even though that character turns out to do a lot of bad things, uh, was very sympathetic. Yeah, yeah, it, it sounds like it. I, I think that um, one thing maybe we should mention, too, because it does sound like a lot of the um, depictions around PTSD and maybe uh, adjustment back to civilian life are realistic. It is uh, not common that people who have served or who even are suffering from PTSD are violent. Oh, yeah. So that's maybe yeah. one thing we should mention just yeah, to make absolutely. sure that that's, you know, um, it can happen, but mm -hmm. that is not in the majority of cases. And just mm -hmm. want to make sure to mention that. Yeah, I think it was a, a depicted as an extreme example to sort of, uh, you know, when you're trying to tell a story. It was sure. a part of the narrative, of course, sure. but it is important, important to point that sure. out. Yeah. So it, it's an interesting... Uh, no, uh, yeah, not to not to take away from that. Of course, no, no, I'm no, speaking no. from having not not seen the whole thing, but just in case anyone else is listening. Oh, of course, yeah, it's that. important. Uh, one thing that I did think this was just me being nitpicky, and as you know, one of my favorite YouTube series is Cinema Sins. Mm -hmm. So I've watched so much of it now that I find myself nitpicking things, which isn't a good way to sort of enjoy life or, or movies or TV. <laughs> but uh, they don't make any reference to the Avengers or the Marvel universe in this show whatsoever. Um, which is interesting because at one point that that's that veteran who I just talked about, he he has three bombs and I think he ignites one in New York City. He has two more oh placed. And th when that was happening, the Punisher sort of handling and are trying to, as well as law enforcement and everyone else. And I was thinking, where the heck is Tony Stark? Yeah. Uh, where the heck yeah. is, you know, he lives in New York mm -hmm. City. Why isn't he zipping around in the Iron Man suit? So that's one thing that I I, I sort of struggle with. Or even the Defenders. Where, yeah. is, where are the Defenders right now? There, a bomb just went off. We should have seen that probably in one of the other Defenders yeah. shows, you know? So I don't know. That's just me sort of being nitpicky. And I think that's an inevitable sort of thing that you run into when you start combining those universes. Oh, yeah. But. That was one thing I was just curious about. Um, but I think that overall, my favorite part of the entire series was the very last scene, because that support group plays a role throughout the whole uh, the whole show. And Frank, uh, during a lot of the show, he's either in hiding or running from law enforcement or 
or are presumed dead. So he doesn't really join the support group, but he checks in with his friend who runs it. And his friend tells him, ah, you should probably come and join this. And Frank's always a little dismissive of it, mostly because he's like handling a lot of other things, never uh, dismissive of the process as much as one character is who's in the group. Um, but it's really cool because the series ends with Frank actually joining the group and, and they actually show him opening up. So I thought that was actually a pretty cool ending to have a character who's depicted as being so tough and gruff. And he actually ends by saying that he's scared and, uh, and then he joins the group. So oh, that sounds I thought that was a good yeah. ending. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's kind of my, my hot take on the, the show. I do think it's good. It was already renewed for another season. I'll be very curious to see where that goes because they very much wrapped up his sort of storyline. Of course, I'm sure the talented writers uh, will come up with uh, more adventures for Frank Castle. But uh, yeah, it's it's a good show, I think. And I actually liked it quite a bit uh, as evidenced by watching it in like two six-hour sittings. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it has to be pretty good to kind of walk attention for yeah, that one. Yeah, you weren't so. hate watching that. No, all that. nope. Uh, it wasn't like uh, another show that we covered, another Netflix version. <laughs> <Which will laughs> not be named. Yeah, so uh, you saw the first episode. What did you think of that? I liked a lot. I'm excited to watch more. We, um, I didn't want to delay this episode anymore by waiting for me to catch up. So I kind of similar to um, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, yeah. relying on your, your knowledge for this. I did read a lot about this show to prepare for this episode. And it was interesting timing because just yesterday I watched this TED Talk, which some of the mm -hmm. listeners may have seen, where Adam Driver actually talks about being a Marine and then going back to civilian life and being an actor. And it touches on some of the themes that it sounds like are in the show. And I think that's really great to capture that because for people who are caring for veterans and um loved ones but also mental health providers understanding what that's like and i and i think that that's important and um one of the things that adam driver talked about is that when he was in the military everything had a purpose from the way that they dressed to the people they were with to the community they built to the missions and things mm -hmm. that they had he ended up being injured before he was deployed and that's how he got into acting and i'll let him tell it because it's interesting yeah. but the the way that it works around at the end is He's trying to bring theater to military people because he sees some commonalities and, and helpful things between the two communities. So at the end, there's actually a short kind of one person, maybe two people play, and Batman is the theme. So nice. it's it's definitely worth checking out. But anyway, so then reading on top of that, that these articles were going on similar themes about talking about... Um, military personnel kind of adjusting, coming back, and, and the, the huge differences oh, yeah. in our lives. That, that's so important. It's nice to see some efforts to raise that awareness, mm -hmm. do it accurately and, and sensitively. Yeah. Um, so I, I can't wait to watch the, the rest of it. I will do that. Yeah, it, it, it is good. Um, one thing about the show, too, that... I don't know if you remember hearing this. It was actually delayed, uh, the release was. Oh. Um, it was supposed to come out actually like right around when the terrible shooting in Las Vegas happened. And because of the really, I mean, the whole show is about guns. That's Frank yeah. Castle. He, he's all about guns. Because they, they, they didn't really want to have that come out right when something so awful happened that involved guns. They actually pushed it back huh. a little bit. Yeah. So, um, of course, uh, you know, they're, they're making a show and they couldn't just not 
put out this show sure. that they made and so many people worked on and those people need to get paid. Actually, a friend of mine worked on The Punisher. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, a friend of mine who I met in undergraduate who attended uh, Minnesota State University, Moorhead, uh, moved to New York to get into working on film and, and actually worked as a, he's a camera person on The Punisher. That's what all, all the, what he's into is, oh, how cool. is doing camera work. Yeah. Um, that got me a little sidetracked. Uh, so I thought that was very respectful though, to, yeah. to say the least, to, to, to delay that. Um, one thing that I will be interested in talking to you about, and I'm curious what our listeners thought, is there's sort of a clunky social commentary hmm. in the sh- in the series or season rather. This in the UK they call it a series. I think it must be in UK mode uh, about gun control, and I think they were trying to get some discussion going, but I think it fell a little bit flat. Okay, uh, that was just kind of my sort of hot take on it. And if other people have another idea, I'll be interested in what it was. And maybe maybe I was reading too much into it. Maybe they weren't trying to get a discussion, but they did have like uh, a senator, if I'm remembering right, who was pushing some uh, gun control legislation in the show, but who also was hiring like this paramilitary group to defend him uh, because of some of this other stuff that was going on. Uh, so it was a little weird. And and Karen from the Daredevil series uh, and Defenders, she shows up and interviews that senator, and but she has like a gun in her purse and's like, but I, we need these. And I don't know. I, it was kind of a weird conversation. And, yeah. And I wasn't exactly sure what was the take home they were trying to send home with it, or maybe there was no take home. And I was just looking for uh, some commentary where there wasn't any. So I'll be curious what other people think of that. Did they? It, it seems like I, I mean it's. It's primarily, I mean, it's a dramatic series meant to entertain, and they put some, you know, efforts into the realism stuff. But did they happen to touch at all on, like, suicide as an aspect of gun control with regard to veterans or military? No. Okay. And and, uh, that probably could have been uh, a good place to maybe introduce that. Uh, but it really wasn't touched upon. Uh, really, in a nutshell, in in please forgive my memory. I didn't have time to watch the series again, and sometimes when I watch them in such large chunks, I, I mix up my memories. But the the there's this that senator who's trying to pass that legislation, and then there's that veteran who sort of became radicalized by this other member of the group who, like I said, he turned out that person was lying to him. Well, that person really is saying how everyone is trying to take away their Second Amendment rights. And then that's what kind of prompts this young veteran to go after the senator who's pushing this gun control legislation. Yeah, so that's what kind of brings it about. It's interesting. I I think I'll just briefly mention that I think one thing that I have observed within the suicide prevention community that seems like it's been really useful is partnering with people in the military and partnering with gun owners to talk about safety. So, for example, when someone is suicidal, how can we make sure that they're safe? Maybe they don't have access to their gun when they're very high risk and stuff like that. And so that collaborative type of uh, practical decision-making seems like a very effective avenue for suicide prevention mm-hmm. in the community. And I just really like to see people have invest in that kind of work. And it, it's it seems like they're are ways to find common ground and a lot of ways that people agree mm-hmm. about the importance of suicide prevention and, and the role that all of this plays in it. So um, I think that sometimes it's presented differently. And understandably, mm-hmm. I'm not, of course, if it's a drama um, and it's an individual person, that's one thing. But looking from the aspect of some of the work that people in the field have done, it's it actually seems like there's a lot of effort to reach out across different groups and find things that 
seen most effective by listening and collaborating rather than this kind of um, adversarial relationship, yes. which is promising and hopeful, yeah. I think, to the ultimate goal, which is preventing suicide yeah, among absolutely. you know people who may have elevated risk. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, with that, I think maybe we'll dive into the sort of depictions of symptoms related to post-traumatic stress disorder because that's kind of what some of these articles that have been floating around and that we actually even shared in the Jedi Council Facebook community group, which please feel free to join if you're part of. We haven't really used it a lot yet, but we're hoping to have a space where we can share and talk about uh, fictional depictions of mental health. And uh, that it's just a cool spot to to do that if folks are interested. Uh, I I shared an article in there that talked about how this is one of the best fictional depictions of combat related post traumatic stress disorder. Uh, so I thought we could break down the diagnostic criteria for PTSD, which we've done on the show a few times. So we might expedite it just a little bit. We've also done it in blog form with some of the other even uh, Marvel uh, Netflix characters like Jessica Jones. Um, so we'll maybe jump in with that. Uh, so. Out of the DSM, uh, folks who maybe are listening for the first time or just as a refresher, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, which is the handbook of diagnostic criteria for specific uh, mental disorders that mental health professionals or clinicians use to determine whether or not someone uh, has the symptoms required to uh, be exhibiting a, a mental disorder. Uh, we've got the diagnostic criteria for PTSD, and uh, we'll just kind of go through them one by one, and maybe I'll share some examples that I remember from the show. Uh, it'll mostly be from memory just because I, this was a show that I knew we were going to talk about, but then I watched it so far ahead of time that it didn't take my usual diligent notes, which are never as diligent as yours. <laughs> uh, so, uh, for the, the first, uh, Criterion, uh, Criterion A, I'll just read it right out of the DSM here. Uh, the person was exposed to death, threatened death, actual or threatened serious injury, or actual or threatened sexual violence in the following ways, which include direct exposure, witnessing the trauma, learning that a relative or close friend was exposed to the trauma, or indirect uh, exposure to aversive details of the trauma, usually in the course of professional duties like first responders or medics, etc. Uh, so I think this is a pretty no-brainer a lot of, in terms of like the experiences that Frank Castle has had and even been part of. But I think primarily the one that uh, he was faced with is the death of his wife, uh, which is a common theme in the Punisher character. Uh, but in this show... Um, I thought it was portrayed very interestingly. So uh, I don't know if I just knew this because I knew uh, about the character or if it was, or if everyone kind of knew that his wife and children were dead. I, I suppose you probably would know because they just aren't there. Um, but they don't show exactly how they were killed right away. And uh, how this is slowly revealed over the course of the season is kind of interesting. And this will actually come back in another one of our criterion or criteria I always mix up the plural and and singular of criteria and criterion. I mean, I know what it is, but just what I'm speaking. That's besides the point. That's okay. Uh, so, uh, so basically, uh, Frank re-experiences the death of his wife in the form of a dream. And this continually goes on throughout the series. But each time that they show it, they show a little bit more. So the very first time that we see it, it's just uh, his wife kind of coming to him and saying, Oh, hey, get up. And then the next time they have a little conversation and then it keeps going a little further. And eventually we get to the point where we see a masked man actually comes into the bedroom uh, behind his wife and shoots her uh, right above him. Uh, so it, it's uh, very violent and he witnessed it 
very much firsthand. And uh, it was an interesting way, uh, an interesting way, I think, narratively to sort of give that information because it depicted the re-experiencing. And I don't know whether or not they were going for this, but it almost sort of depicts some of the uh, sometimes dissociation or memory loss related to traumatic events that some of those memories kind of come back over time. So I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, the the trauma I think is is certainly one of uh, one that we can check off. Um, our criterion B is uh, the traumatic event is persistently re-experienced in the following ways: uh, intrusive thoughts, nightmares, flashbacks, emotional distress after exposure to traumatic reminders, or physical reactivity after exposure to traumatic reminders. And of course, I've already uh, kind of indicated that that exists in the form of. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember. I think it's always in the form of nightmares, uh, and then he wakes up kind of as a result of them. Um, but there are probably, I think, some flashbacks, and you could presume some intrusive thoughts as well. That's one of these ones that's kind of difficult to capture sometimes yeah. in, in fictional portrayals. And to clarify, uh, w just one of those is required to meet this uh, criterion B. Yeah. Uh, just moving along, criterion C uh, avoidance of trauma-related stimuli after the trauma in the following ways. So it could be trauma-related thoughts or feelings or trauma-related... Oh, uh, whoops. I'm wondering if I uh, have that wrong. I should look at the actual DSM because my copying and pasting might have gotten wrong here. Uh, no, I, it is wrong. So I'm happy we have the real DSM, not just my notes. Uh, persistent avoidance of stimuli associated with traumatic events uh, beginning after the traumatic events occurred as evidenced by one or both of the following. We've got avoidance of or efforts to avoid distressing memories, thoughts, or feelings about closely... Uh, about or closely associated with traumatic events, or avoidance of or efforts to avoid external reminders, so like people, places, conversations, activities, objects, situations, that arouse distressing memories, thoughts, or feelings about or closely associated with traumatic events. And this is one that I don't think was portrayed quite as clearly in the show. Um, and I think it's because maybe it's one that's not always as... Um, uh, explicit it could have i presume it's probably happening with frank and it's very likely that i was maybe just missing it but one part where this really does happen um the series concludes with frank and his old friend billy russo having a, a kind of like a showdown uh and the place that billy chooses to do that is this location where frank has this very happy memory with his family it's this playground or a, kind of like a carnival maybe on a carousel actually and so billy knows that that memory will really or being there will really impact frank so that's where he tells frank to meet him there so they can kind of finish this quote unquote so i think that that is one example where okay. a friend or a former friend now enemy really kind of took advantage of that to kind of oh, get an advantage uh in combat over frank mm -hmm. yeah so all right, and then uh, Criterion D, uh, two of these are required. So negative thoughts or feelings that began or worsened after the trauma in the following ways. So inability to recall key features of the trauma, uh, overly negative thoughts and assumptions about oneself or the world, exaggerated blame of self or others for causing the trauma, negative affect, decreased interest in activities, feeling isolated, and difficulty experiencing positive affect. And I think those last four really capture the Frank Castle character kind of in a nutshell. Um, throughout this series, really. He doesn't really do anything. He works because he presumably, like most of us, needs money just to continue living. But he doesn't really take any interest in his work. He doesn't want to get to know his co-workers, uh, even that one who kind of reaches out. I don't remember if that's in the first episode. There's one co-worker who tries to kind of become friends with him. He's like, mm -hmm. I'm not really here for friends. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of that throughout. 
Uh, our criterion E is uh, trauma-related arousal and reactivity that began or worsened after the trauma in the following ways. So irritability or aggression, riskier destructive behavior, hypervigilance, uh, heightened startle reaction, difficulty concentrating, and difficulty sleeping. Uh, I think that they probably actually show every single one of those at one point throughout the season. Yeah, so uh, two of those are required to just uh, as a note for the diagnostic criteria. And then to finish up, uh, the symptoms have to last for more than a month. Uh, they have to include some sort of component of distress or impairment, and uh, you have to make sure that those symptoms aren't coming about uh, due to some other medical or substance use uh, problem or something like that. So just a quick overview of the diagnostic criteria for post-traumatic stress disorder. And uh, I mean, just kind of clicking through them like that, uh, I, they capture a lot of them in their portrayal of Frank Castle on the show. So. Yeah, it's interesting. I saw that they chose not to actually name the diagnosis, which yeah. is a different choice mm -hmm. than we kind of talked about. That was something different about My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is that they actually name mm -hmm. the diagnosis. And it was it's interesting because mm -hmm. their argument was kind of like there might be stigma or confusion surrounding mm -hmm. the term, so they were going to depict it but not name it sure it's interesting though because ptsd is more well known than mm -hmm. borderline personality disorder oh, yeah. so i don't i don't know that although with jessica jones they did explicitly say mm -hmm. that that's what she had so i don't know interesting choice yeah i wonder uh it would be interesting to sort of look in or if if we had the opportunity which i'm certainly never will to ask the show writers more about the the choice behind that because i would be interested to understand more of the motivation underlying that because like you said i think uh i think there are certain disorders that people are just they hear about and i think ptsd is one of them that people have a general understanding of kind of what that is yeah. yeah, I think the main misconception, at least anecdotally, that I've come across is people overestimating the number of people who get PTSD. Like, mm -hmm. they think it's kind of, you know, like anyone experiencing a trauma gets it, which is not true. Most mm -hmm. people do not. Um, but the symptoms, people seem to have an idea. Maybe because they're depicted a lot in TV shows and yeah. comic books. I mean, that's one of the more common mm -hmm mental health problems depicted in heroes having experienced trauma, whether they have yeah. full-blown PTSD or not. Yeah, I, I I haven't done the sort of uh, systematic review or, or meta-analysis on all uh, mm -hmm. comic books or shows like that, but it's almost like a requirement for a lot of heroes is yeah. that they experience some loss or traumatic event that serves as a catalyst or an impetus mm -hmm. to prompt them into whatever the storyline is going to be and kind of break out of whatever they were doing beforehand. Yeah, yeah, which is, it's an interesting, I mean, I think that's, I don't know if that narrative kind of comes from our culture or if that narrative shapes our culture, probably a little bit of both. Yeah. But anyway, I just, it's a, it's an interesting choice. But I, like you said, he clearly exhibited a number of the symptoms. So it's not, I mean, they were intentionally going for that diagnosis it wasn't one of these shows where they don't oh, name right. it and they kind of run around yeah no no it was an intentional depiction mm -hmm. i think and and um yeah absolutely so should we dive into some of the yeah. treatments i which i know we've covered before so we'll probably do a little bit uh expedited version now so uh, we will link to our jessica jessica jones yes. blog post and jessica jones podcast episode in the description summary as well as that adam driver ted talk just yeah. if you want to check out more on what we're talking about now in more detail yeah absolutely so uh like we've talked about many times if you go to the uh apa's division 12 website and click on ptsd 
uh, they actually will kick you to a different link, which is not usual for them. Uh, the, their PTSD treatment page is actually being updated currently, which is fantastic. It's, it's good to know that folks are still there and working on that really good resource that documents, uh, we've talked about before, but basically it documents the various disorders and the various treatments and outlines for which disorders do which treatments have the most empirical evidence and might be a good front line or starting place at least for treatment um since they're updating the page they kick you over to the uh, american psychological association clinical practice guidelines for the treatments of ptsd and they list four treatments as strongly recommended and they've got some other treatments as well that they are say are more uh kind of uh second or, or they have less empirical support at this time um, but basically the four treatments that they outline are all related to cognitive behavior therapy uh, in various sort of ways or various iterations and and I'll just kind of quickly go through them so we've got cognitive behavior therapy unsurprisingly uh, which is uh, a therapy that we've talked about before on the show which really just consists of thinking or considering the relationships between thoughts feelings behaviors and then targeting current problems and symptoms and focusing on changing some of those patterns of behavior and thoughts and feelings that uh, lead to difficulties in functioning uh, for the patient currently. Uh, then you've got cognitive processing therapy. So cognitive processing therapy is a specific type of cognitive behavior therapy that helps patients learn how to modify and challenge unhelpful beliefs related to the trauma. Uh, then we've got cognitive therapy. So uh, cognitive therapy, as they describe, is derived from cognitive behavior therapy. Uh, cognitive therapy entails modifying the pessimistic evaluations and memories of trauma with the goal of interrupting the disturbing behavioral and or thought patterns that have been interfering with the person's daily life. And then lastly, they describe prolonged exposure therapy, and prolonged exposure is a specific type of cognitive beha uh, behavior therapy that teaches individuals to gradually approach trauma-related memories, feelings, and situations, and then by facing what's been avoided, the person presumably learns that the trauma-related memories and cues are not dangerous, and they don't need to be avoided, uh, actually kind of through extinction, which is uh, one of our, co or our behavior modification principles that we covered in our uh, behavior modification episodes, so... Um, those are kind of the four treatments that are outlined on the APA uh, treatment guide for PTSD. Thank you. I'll just chime in with one key point. Like you said, um, gradually approaching mm -hmm. trauma-related memories. Sometimes, understandably, if someone is suffering from an, an anxiety disorder or post-traumatic stress disorder or something that involves avoidance, mm -hmm. And it's under the person's avoiding it because it's distressing. They might be reluctant to start therapy because they don't want to face those mm -hmm. things. The key here is that the majority of therapists, good good therapists, will work with you collaboratively yeah. to make it sure it's at a pace that you can handle and that works well for you. It's not like you go in day one mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you're facing the thing that causes the most distress. There are built-in mechanisms for the therapist to check in with you, make sure you're doing okay, that you have the, the coping skills and kind of the, the, the social support that you need to go through these processes. So if um, it makes someone reluctant to seek therapy because they have PTSD because they're worried about immediately being thrown into all this stuff, please know that therapists understand and compassionately work with you to make sure that it's at a pace that is going to be beneficial and help you, but also something that um, you can handle because it's mm -hmm. uh, this is very difficult stuff and it's important to have a therapist that paces things and is gradual about it and good therapists are trained mm -hmm. that way and do that yeah absolutely 
Uh, so that's kind of our really quick rundown of The Punisher. Uh, if we had more time, I would say at least the first few episodes, we could probably break down in further detail and have a lot to talk about. But uh, the second half of the season, I think, is a lot more action-oriented. So unlike Stranger Things and stuff like that, where we kind of broke down the whole season, I don't know if The Punisher needed that level of uh, breakdown, um, especially considering how much other content we have to cover on the schedule. So uh, I, folks who have suggested The Punisher, thanks so much for suggesting it. And I'm really curious what other people thought of The Punisher. Did you enjoy it? Uh, are you excited for another season? What do you kind of expect or think might happen? Uh, and just kind of what are you looking for in terms of uh, future Frank Castle? And I believe that the the our friends at Panel to Panel Podcast might have suggested that mm-hmm. we do this. And so thank you for the suggestion. And also, um, I if you all want or others would like us to go more in depth in those early episodes, yeah. once I watch them, I'm happy yeah. to. So just let us know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but with that, I think uh, any other closing thoughts kind of about Punisher before we wrap for today? No, thanks for doing uh, filling in the ma- majority oh, of the content on this. I think that this is a really important topic. I think it's good that there is some attention being paid to combat-related PTSD, and hopefully we can send some links for people who want to find out even more about it. Absolutely. Well said. And and with that, I think we will have a new episode out next week. Um Almost certainly, I think we will. Uh, We'll try to record it ahead of time. But uh, for the time being, we hope everyone has a really great holiday. And uh, enjoy time with friends and family and whomever. And uh, in the words of of my favorite fictional therapist, uh, we'll be wishing you good mental health. Thank you for listening to the Jedi Council Podcast, a member of the Geek Therapy Podcast Network. You can find more information about our podcast or blog at www.jedi-council.com. If you would like to support the Jedi Council Podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Jedi Council. The views expressed on this podcast are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of our employers. Additionally, this podcast is for entertainment and informational purposes only and should not be used in place of advice from a mental health or medical professional. If you're struggling with mental health issues, please seek professional help.